great to worship, isn't it? Great to praise God. And do you know what? We're joining with the Israelites. They did that quite often. But they praise God quite often when they're in the midst of battle. And as they raised their arms in praise and worship to the Lord, the Lord worked. Great. Today we're talking about Nehemiah and building the wall together. What I intend doing is bringing some questions and some thoughts today. I'm going to start with a question. In fact, a lot of this talk is questions. And I'm not necessarily going to give you the answers. Because that's for you to seek God. To ask God what he's showing you in the situation. I've spent quite a long time over the last few weeks just reading the one passage and saying to God, what are you saying in this one passage? I found it really encouraging, enlightening. It's something I'd recommend anyone does. Take a passage for a week. It's what we call meditative prayer. It's what people of old did. They just took a certain passage and read it and read it and said, God, what are you showing me? So these are some of my thoughts as I've, I've gone through these, this passage. These are the things that I feel God has laid on my heart. So the first thing I'm going to ask is, why did the walls have to come down in the first place? Why, was the, why were the walls of Jerusalem broken down? I just think of a couple of points. One, they were holding on to the wrong principles. The Jews were holding on to wrong principles. They picked up habits and behaviours that were not pleasing to God. There was disobedience. There was idol worship. Their thoughts weren't turned to God. And as I thought about the walls coming down, I... A little story came into my mind of a man who had a valued family treasure and he really valued this treasure and he didn't want to let go of it. He wanted to protect it so much that he got a whole load of bricks and mortar around him and he built himself a tower all round himself and the the treasure and he did it all from inside because he didn't want anyone coming near him. And he built his tower and he built his tower and he put the roof on so nobody could get in, nobody could get at his treasure. He was holding on to his treasure so much, he didn't want to get go. Unfortunately, he'd forgotten one thing. He hadn't put a doorway in his tower. He couldn't get out. He couldn't get any food. That treasure sucked away his life. And he died in that tower with his treasure. There could have been a good ending because somebody could have come along and broken that tower down. You see, the Jews held on to those things so much, the idol worship, the things that displeased God, that God had to come along and break the walls down. He used foreign enemies, obviously, but he had to break the walls down. And it got me to thinking, what are we holding on to? What walls are we building around ourselves that we don't want to let go? 
old ways of doing things. Well, we've always done it this way. Don't want to change. I'm comfortable as I am. Fear. Sometimes we hold on to fear. I don't want to let go of that. I can't. I'm frightened of what will be. What's in it for me? What am I getting out of it? These are some of the things we hold on to. But God wants to break down walls. When the eldership team were praying the other day, we were reminded of the pruning by Father. Pruning takes place so that the things that have lost their usefulness, not just things that are no good, that are bad, but the things that have lost their usefulness. They were okay, but they're not quite what they should be now. They have to be cut back so that there can be new growth and usefulness, fruitfulness. And sometimes we find that in church life. We have to cut back things, things that have been useful, have been good. Sometimes they need cutting back in order to see the new. Things we've always done are not necessarily valid for today. And we need to hear what God is saying to us today so that he can direct us towards the path which passes allow new growth. Things that have always been valid. How do we look at church? What are our perceptions of church? They've always been valid. A few weeks ago, I went to see Debbie and Sam. Sam was lending me some books for my study. And I think it was Debbie who came out with a comment. Do you know what? Us three together, this is church. And I got really excited by those comments because I thought, yes, we are being church. Just fellowshipping together, sharing together, helping one another. It's church, you know, and it really got me excited. But let's go back to what we were looking at. And, and one of the things I'm going to bring first of all is Jeremiah 6, 16. It's one of my favourite, I think it's 6, I better just check that. Yes, Jeremiah 6, 16. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and walk in them. That doesn't mean necessarily ask for the traditional things and things we've always, always been doing. But it means going back to God, to build that relationship with God. Ask him what we're doing. There's a crossroads. Nehemiah was at a crossroads here, really, because they were wanting to do something new. It's a new beginning. So the building took place. I'm getting round to where we were going. Let's remind ourselves of the way in which Nehemiah received help from the king. He not only got permission to go and help rebuild the walls, he got an armed escort for protection and letters to other people on the way to help provide material for the task. He had the favour of man. Why? Because before he did anything, he sought God. He asked God's help. He brought it before God. And he got the favour of man. And when he arrived in Jerusalem, he didn't just go in and say, right, here I am, we're going to build the walls. No. First thing he did, he went and checked the walls. He went and found, he prepared what he was going to do. Made sure he knew what he was talking about before he did it. 
And he inspired the people to get building, and they all agreed. So, what can we learn from the building? Well, who's building the wall with you? The enemies, Sambalat and all the others, had wanted to be part. And Nehemiah's words to him was, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. You're not part of it. Nehemiah knew that God was with him. Do we? He ignored the mockery because his eyes were fixed on one person. Peter sank because he looked around and took his eyes off Jesus. It must have seemed a huge task to Nehemiah, but Nehemiah knew that they could do it. Paul says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Not just some things, but everything. Nothing is impossible with God working beside us. So who are we allowing to build the wall with us? Don't allow the enemy in because nothing will get done. He'll thwart it all the way. They worked side by side. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs. And next to them, the repairs were made by the men from Gibeon and Mizpah. And adjoining this, Jediah made repairs opposite his house. Every time there's a next to them, they worked side by side. Each had a role to play. It wasn't just Nehemiah, the leader, building the walls. It was everybody. It's not just your leadership that are doing the work for God. It's all of us have a role to play. Every one of us. The first ones mentioned were the priests. They were prepared to get their hands dirty. They dedicated it and they set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated. Notice the dedication. They didn't just build but they brought it before God. Every step of the way, they brought before God. Do we dedicate our work to God as we go? Now, the only ones that weren't involved, they were all involved with the exception of the nobles who felt that it was beneath them. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles wouldn't put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Pride came in here. You can just imagine them, can't you? Oh, no, I'm, not I'm not doing that. That's beneath me. Why should I do it? Let the workers do it. That wasn't what God wanted. And I believe this is put in as a warning to us. I believe God is warning us not to be like this. He doesn't want this. This is not the way to behave. There's no room for pride in God's kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11 and 12, 
the greatest of you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The nobles were later called to account for their behaviour. They didn't get away with it. Jesus also set the example of serving by washing the disciples' feet and saying, If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, so you ought to wash the feet of others. Note the contrast with Eliashib in verse 1, where he set the example and dirtied his hands. God wants willing workers who are prepared to dirty their hands. We need to get back to the roles where we all work together, every one of us. Families work together on their part. I love this bit. Ladies, you should all like this one. Shalom repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. But you know, ladies, it's a challenge. Everyone was involved, even the women. We're not exempt. God wants to use us too. We have a job to do and we need to get our hands dirty. God doesn't want passengers. He wants willing crew members prepared to work hard in the kingdom. We need to know our role and fulfil it. I wonder how old his daughters were. It doesn't say. Were they children? We've already talked about our children this morning. But our children are part of the building. Let's encourage them to get involved too. And that's why I asked you to pray for them this morning. Because I want us to encourage them in the building. They're part of it. Right. Unlike our story earlier, the walls had gates in to allow movement out and in. And these gates needed repairing. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. And the Jashana gate was repaired by Joida, son of Pasea, and Mishalem, son of Basodia. They're hard words to read, aren't they? I shouldn't have picked them out. But there needs to be a way to go out, as well as in. No use having that tower with the walls and we can't get out. It's no use holy huddles. We need to be able to get out. Not only to get sustenance, but to bless the neighbourhoods. We need to be able to reach out, move out and bless. But without sustenance, we die. And despite opposition, they continued their work. They knew where to turn in time of need. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Do we know where, know where to go in time of need? Do we continue even when times are difficult? And they put everything they had into the building. I loved this one, this verse actually. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. They put everything they'd got into it. There was a determination so they'd keep going. And I tried to imagine how it would be. And, the, and I thought of aching shoulders, painful knees, aching back, 
And I, I did a bit of gardening the other day, and my back ached, and my knees ached, and I thought, oh, how would it have been carrying those stones and lifting those stones and building that wall? But they persevered because they had a, a job to do. It actually reminded me of the time when we came down to uh, Snowden, and, and you'll remember I told you before about Pete and Brian having to help me down. They worked together so that we could get down. We all worked together, but it was in God's strength because I walked all the way down that mountain saying, God, it's your strength, it's your strength, Lord. But we kept going, we kept going. But going back to the wall, they kept going. They put their heart and soul into it, apart from the noblemen. They had a job to do and weren't going to be deterred. There was no, I'm too tired, I've had a busy time, I want to be with my family. The family was involved with them. We saw from Shalom's daughters that the family was involved with them. They had a purpose. They were defending Jerusalem. Go back to verse, chapter 3, verse 1, where Nehemiah says, Come, let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we'll no longer be in disgrace. The disgrace, I presume, was that of being seen as God's people who were overcome. The once safe Jerusalem was in ruins. God had not defended his people. The walls had protected the wrong practices, which needed stopping. They put their heart into it because they had a purpose, a vision to see the wall restored. What is our purpose as we rebuild the wall? They had a goal. What's our goal? Are we working together? Are we putting everything into it? Are we including the whole family? Do we recognise the value of the children in the work? I'm stressing the children a lot at the moment, but I really believe we need to put the value of our children in the work. And finally, I'm going to leave you with the question, what are we building?